Welcome to this episode of ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lidos. Lidos has a long history of innovative problem solving dating all the way back to 1969 when Dr. J. Robert Baster founded his crazy little company. Today, they're a global 38,000 employee Fortune 500 enterprise committed to making the world safer, healthier, and more efficient. Lidos' vast experience spans diverse markets, including aviation, defense, energy, government, health, intelligence, science, and space. Search thousands of great career opportunities with Lidos at clearancejobs.com. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of ClearedCast, where we're going to be talking about military transition and veteran success stories. I'm your host, Katie Keller, Editorial Communications Manager with ClearanceJobs.com. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Maples, who served as an intelligence officer in the U.S. Air Force. She left the service in 2007, and after encountering obstacles of her own through the military transition, she founded the blog after the DD-214. That's a forum to help other veterans find success in their new civilian lives. So she's also a contributor to the Clearance Jobs news site, where she writes about topics that serve as golden nuggets to anyone in the military community. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me today to dish on military transition during Military Appreciation Month, and I appreciate you joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Now, I really love on your blog, you call yourself a recovering secret squirrel. And uh, as Clarence Jobs' unofficial mascot, uh, it's actually a secret squirrel. So I really appreciated that. But could you tell us what led you to join the U.S. Air Force and a little bit about your role in the military there? Uh, yes. So I actually joined because they gave me an ROTC scholarship. So my mother had another baby when I was a freshman in high school, and he has a lot of developmental disabilities. And so my um, my mom said, if you want to go to college, you have to find someone to pay for it. And the Air Force said, we'll pay for it. I got commissioned and became an intelligence officer a little bit by accident. I studied German and Russian when I was an undergraduate at Tulane. And I was told that an intelligence officer was the place to use those languages. But um, that actually turned out not quite to be the case. Well, and there's so many different types of intelligence MOSs, you know, and I know that the Air Force utilizes those, but you're right, not necessarily requiring a language, sometimes a plus in different intelligence positions, though. Right. I mean, my final assignment was the defense language. Institute training a number of enlisted personnel to use the languages, but officers, it's a little bit different. And then, of course, I came on active duty in 2000 and reported to my first duty station in May of 2001. So when 9-11 happened, there was a shift in focus and I spent a good portion of my time either studying or visiting the Middle East. Wow. So, you know, moving on to the ever so daunting military transition, I feel, you know, individuals that I've spoken with, they sort of feel like they're being thrown to the wolves. What sort of obstacles did you personally encounter through yours? So many. I was so unprepared for my transition. I didn't understand. I, I certainly didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't understand how to prepare for corporate America or civilian life. I wasn't prepared for the shift in identity. So I actually was a military spouse for a little while after I left the service and going from being the sponsor in the primary 
individual and the service member to being the spouse was a very big shift in the way that people approached me, the way that they spoke to me, the way that they viewed my value. And so that was a big challenge for me there. And then just understanding the level of work that I had done in the military and how that applied to the corporate world, I really didn't have the concept of how much responsibility I had had. And I really undervalued myself when I left the service. I saw on your blog, you recently highlighted another military spouse, dual veteran, Amanda Huffman, who we've interviewed here on Cleardcast as well. And what a role or roles (laughs) that you guys serve in those positions. Yes, it's a very different challenge. Certainly as a service member, I didn't really understand how much more difficult it was. But when I was married, eight months after we got married, my now ex-husband deployed for a year and it was miserable. I I said if he was going to deploy again, I was going back in the service because I would much rather be the service member than the person who's at home. It was much easier to be deployed and focused only on the mission and having your days filled with message traffic and things that you needed to focus on versus being the one at home counting the days until they came back. That's a great point. And like I said, what a role that is, you know, to serve and support, you know, the service member, but how the tables were, you know, kind of turned and and not something that you necessarily expect. But uh, I love how on another recent blog of yours, you related carpet bombing and a trip to the grocery store to how veterans might feel overwhelmed in their post-military job search. Because that really is so true. It's information overload, sometimes with no guidance. What are some other things that maybe you wish you would have known or been told, you know, through your military transition or even post when you were a military spouse? I think a couple of things. So first, I wish people would have really told me I need to think about what I want. I spent so much time in the military being sent where the military wanted me and doing what the military needed of me that I got out with the sort of the mentality of I can be jack of all trades and I can meet any requirements. So what do you need from me instead of me driving the train of really deciding what I wanted? And um, I think that really hinders not just me, but a lot of service members transitions because they're not really guiding it. Then that's where it's sort of that carpet bombing comes in. And then I think the other thing is I wish I would have realized that while finding an occupation post-military is important, when you leave the military, you leave a lot more than just the paycheck. You leave a culture, you leave a community, you leave healthcare, you leave so many other things that sometimes get lost in the shuffle when you're focusing on just getting your resume in and uh, securing a paycheck when you leave the service. I'm sure that it may be difficult to ask for help, at least for me it is sometimes, but did you have any allies that really helped you achieve? this success as a veteran? Or where would you advise people to seek out helpful information if they're either transitioning out now or going to begin that process in the next few months? I figured it out a lot via trial and error. It was a it was a painful process. And I think it took quite a while after my transition, probably at least a decade before it really knew what I was focused on and wanted to be doing. I recommend that service members seek out resources like after the DD-214. USO, Onward to Opportunity, the VWISE program, if you want to be an entrepreneur, service organizations. There's so many organizations that are out there to assist veterans and veterans really need to consider them tools in the process. Um, I know that sort of help word 
veterans don't always like to take help, but it's really more of tools that they can look at and have to decide how they want to use them to get where they want to get to. That's true. And there are a ton of nonprofits and a lot of organizations and a lot of people that are willing to help. So it's just being able to articulate the questions that you're trying to get answered to those people. And I know that hindsight might be 2020. Was it was that the case for you sort of following the transition? Yes. Well, and I also I got out in 2007 before there was a lot of these uh, organizations existed or were easy to find. So I think there's a very different experience now with the ability to do virtual networking. There's so much more that's available to service members that are currently leaving. Sure. Well, and in a period of COVID-19, I think we have these sort of things may have been used in the past, but it certainly has become more apparent, you know, sort of the power of online networking. Um, speaking of COVID, it, I've been saying with a lot of these conversations, it wouldn't be a conversation in 2020 if we didn't talk about COVID-19. So how have you been handling your workflows and sort of trying to stay sane during a year of a pandemic? I think it's been challenging. I'm, I'm an introvert. And so when the uh, stay at home orders first came, I was like, okay, I could do this. But even I got to the point where I realized I didn't want to turn my TV off just because I wanted to hear the voices of, you know, a, another sure. person. And so I've actually created opportunities to interact digitally with my friends and my peers to be able to make that a little bit easier. But it is certainly a challenge as far as genuinely interacting with people and expanding your network in organic ways, as opposed to you really have to seek out opportunities to connect with new people in this environment. Making meaningful connections that segues into right now, we're actually running a campaign at clearancejobs.com where we want to hear everyone's veteran hiring success stories. We're looking for both recruiters to share and cleared candidates to share as well. And I think it's important. I'm a former recruiter. So from a recruiting perspective, I think it's good to be reminded about the population that we're serving as you know, uh, folks that have served in the armed forces have sacrificed a ton to serve us. Why do you think it's important to share some of these veteran success stories? I think it's important to be able to see not only that someone else sort of made the transition successfully, but also to see what they do and how they do it. So there are a number of different jobs, such as business development, that don't really exist in the service. And you may not have been exposed to that before you transition. And hearing other individuals' success stories kind of shows all the different options that are available to you. And it gives you a little bit of insight into exactly how that path opened up for them, what skills work in that civilian position that the military may have prepared them for or given them and how they can use that. So I think both of those are important. And especially now when we are a little bit isolated from our fellow veterans, it can be helpful to have those and know that it really does work out. Sure. Well, and that's another great point. I know an obstacle that uh, transitioning military go through are, you know, creating that resume. And uh, there are definitely a lot of differing opinions when it comes to certain things. But translating from one MOS to what you're looking to do, you know, following the military, I know that that's an issue that folks run into. So do you have any other sort of quick resume tips that you could share with us today? Yes. So I'm a big fan of backwards planning. I think that telling veterans to translate their resume makes them, sets them up in the expectation that they should know how to do that. And they don't, they, and they can't possibly unless they've been out in the corporate world. But the military teaches us to backwards plan. And if we can figure out what our objective is, we're very good at 
figuring out how to get to it. And I think if transitioning veterans focus on what is it that they're really going for, sort of, get, again, getting out of that carpet bombing mentality into a very precise target, then they can figure out how to work backwards from that to achieve their objectives and figure out which experiences they have that apply to the job that they want. Sure. And you just corrected me, which is a beautiful thing, you know, saying that translating their, you know, whatever skill set that implies that they should know how to do that. And I think that's a good reminder for companies or recruiters out there that you need to be more veteran friendly and veteran ready for this workforce that's going to be looking, you know, in the private sector following their military support. Wonderful. So my favorite question, I ask all my military secret squirrels this question on every (laughs) interview. Where was your favorite place that you were stationed and why? So right now, Hawaii is certainly in the lead, but what is yours? Germany. I was at the Warrior Preparation Center before it moved to Grafenvier. And doing wargaming was really enjoyable. It was the height of the start of both wars and really prepping everybody to deploy by playing the opposing forces, the enemy essentially in the computer simulations. And that was one of my most enjoyable jobs. Plus. It was Germany. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Hopefully you like German food. Is that the case? So I actually was an exchange student in Germany my senior year of high school. So that's part of the reason I ended up studying it in college. So I speak German and I love German food and um, I have a lot of German friends. So it was great to be able to go back and be stationed there. Wow. That sounds like a great experience. Well, I do appreciate you coming on to tell us a little bit about your military transition, share a little of your life with us, uh, and share tips with our veterans or our transitioning military right now. So if anybody's looking for other military advice, After the DD-214 is an excellent blog. It has a lot of intel for our veterans, so you can find that after the DD-214.com. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of ClearCast. Thank you for having me. This is Katie Keller, editor at ClearanceJobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.